This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read um, this passage uh, to get our lesson started this morning. I've entitled this lesson, Can I Grow Old Gracefully? And... um, you know, one thing, and I, and I, as I was going over the lesson this morning, I wrote this note into my, into my notes that I planned to say just a little bit later on in the lesson. But let me say it now. That, th- and I think I've mentioned this before as well. But um, uh, I these these this series of lessons. There's two more lessons in this series, so. Next week we won't have class because of the 50th anniversary, but then there are two more lessons in this series, and then after that we'll go to something different. The other classes, the other adult classes are in the book of Matthew, (coughs) but they'll be halfway through that study by the time I get to it, and so we'll probably do something different. But anyway, this has been a very profitable study for me. I don't know if it has for you or not, But if it hasn't helped anyone else in this class, it's helped me. Uh, Every week when I study these lessons, prepare them to teach them to you, uh, God gets a hold of my heart and deals with me about something. And uh, so uh, I've been been, uh, the benefactor of these lessons, if you haven't. But I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe God has used some of these uh, comments, some of these lessons in your heart. In fact, someone... Uh, this morning, just before lesson came to me and said, Pastor, uh, you know, the lesson last week was helpful, and I, and I did something about uh, some things. And I appreciate that. I'm grateful for that. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, I have learned something each week as I've studied this. I, I have been able, in fact, I thought about the last lesson, maybe just having some testimony. So you might think about that, as how God has used this series of lessons maybe in your life. But I'll share this with you. Um, I, I've, I've never been bitter about getting old. I'm 84 years old. And I've never been bitter about that. I've joked about it. I joke with you about it, uh, especially with Ron Reed. Ron, Ron and I are constantly joking about how old we are. And fortunately, he's older than me, which makes him older than dirt. He keeps thinking I'm older than dirt, but the truth is, no, he's older than dirt, but I'm, I'm close to it. I interrupted myself, and where was I going with that? Um, uh, I've, I've, but I, I've, tried to, I've tried to grow to this age and beyond gracefully. And, but one thing that, has, that God has just really put in my heart about getting older. There you are, Ron. I was looking for you over there. You moved. <laughs> You're always messing with me. You moved. <laughs> At your age, I'm gl- grateful that you can move. <laughs> you know, sometimes, as you just learned a few moments ago, I do step over the line once in a while. And I have to be careful because I don't want to step over the line with him. He's not older. He's not only older than me. He's stronger than me. <laughs> One thing that God has 
worked in my heart about is the fact that the things that we experience as we're growing older in our lives is the fact that God is preparing us for something better. You know? All the aches and pains that I used to complain about, I try not to even mention them anymore. And, uh, and memory loss. Uh, in fact, I was talking with Pastor out in the foyer after the service, and I said, Pastor, there's two things I've been trying to remember to mention to you. And, uh, and I said, the first one is, <laughs> I'm serious, this is exactly what happened. I'm not, this is not embellishment. I said, the first one is, Reggie was standing there, he heard this, I think. Well, the second one is, <laughs> I'm not kidding, it's that bad. That's the reason I write out my lesson. I, what I, and I read most of this to you, as you know. And, uh, and if, I, if, I didn't, if I couldn't read, I'd be in bad shape. I, I just, uh, I'd have to stop preaching if I couldn't read, really. But God has taught me that this is a wonderful time of life. I'm having fun at this age. I really am. And uh, it's not a bad time of life, even though I've lost some things. Uh, my eyesight's not what it used to be. My, uh, I ache and, no, well, I said I wasn't going to mention that anymore, did I? <laughs> I have problems that I try not to talk about. If I do mention them, I don't try to focus on them, okay? And, uh, and I just realized that God has brought us to a wonderful time of life. It's not going to be long before some of us are going to be in heaven. And we can praise God for that, can't we? And uh, when that happens, I'm going to miss you all. Gene, do a good job for him, okay? All right. But God has taught me. So today we're going to talk about complaining. Anybody guilty here? How many are guilty of complaining? The rest of you are guilty of lying. <laughs> All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read the first 12 verses of this chapter. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. You know, Corinth was a troubled church. We know that from the first few chapters of it that um, they, they, were really, they really had problems. And Paul, every chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians deals with some problem they were having in the church at Corinth. And so he reminds them of some things here. He says, um, Moreover, brethren, I would, not, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual uh, meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were, uh, for they were overthrown in the wilderness." That little word there, overthrown, means that their bodies were scattered throughout the wilderness. They disobeyed God, and God killed a few of them off. You remember that, reading the Old Testament. And so they had bodies scattered all over the wilderness. Now, Forty years they were out there. In fact, not a single one of them that was over 
Boy, my mind has gone blank here. Over the age of what, Gene? Huh? Yeah. Uh, made it into the promised land. They all died off, except Caleb and jo Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses, you know. Moses disobeyed God, and God said, okay, Moses, uh, you're not an effective leader anymore. And so uh, verse 6 says, now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That simply means that they were involved in immoral activity. Uh, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell on one day three and twenty thousand Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Serpents. Neither murmur ye. They were gripers, complainers. From the time they, from the time they left and headed toward the Red Sea to cross over it, they were complaining about everything. Um, neither were murmur, uh, neither murmur ye, as some of them murmured and we're destroyed of the destroyer. And that's exactly what happens when we complain, just like last week with what I did, and I'm, I, this is the last thing I'm gonna say about it. Devil, the devil was delighted in what I did. Yeah, he, 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 he had a lot of fun at my expense and my wife's expense. And uh, that's what happens when we complain. The devil's just keep it up, gave it up. Keep it up, you know, I like this, you know. And uh, they were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the, the ends of the world were come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. So I hope this lesson, I'm not going to because of the extra time I took here at the beginning, <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to teach, I think, the whole, all this today, but, but you've got it there in writing, and I hope you'll take the time to read it all. But let's at least get started in it and see what God has for us today. Father, I ask you, Lord, to help me to focus on your word and your will. I pray the Holy Spirit will be my guide as I teach and will be our teacher as we listen. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will teach us what we need to know today, the tools that we need, God, to serve you better, to honor you more with our lives, and to grow gracefully as we grow old. We pray that the Spirit of God will direct in every way and every word we pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. As we adopt Matthew 18, uh, we could probably read it like this. This is not adding to or taking away from the scripture in a sense, but just simply uh, using an illustration here. Where two or three older people are gathered together, there is in the midst someone complaining. You know, I, I've, not, 
I don't think this is a serious problem among those of you who are in this class that I know of. I do know this, though, that all of us are prone to complaining, all of us. And I've done some of it myself. I've heard some of you do some of it. But I don't know that it's a, it's a gross problem uh, such as was experienced in the wilderness with the children of Israel there, or even to the extent of some things that I might say today. But it might be. I don't know all of you all that well. I know most of you pretty well. We have some newer folks in the church that I'm still trying to learn your name. I learn it and then I forget it. I'm serious about that. Oh, I wasn't going to mention that, was I? Uh, and, uh, but um, they may be complaining about the high cost of food or gas and all of us have complained about that recently haven't we about their arthritis or their gout about how the government doesn't pay for the needs or provide for the needs of the elderly or you name it we complain we complain we complain we complain we complain and I'm not sure God's pleased with any of that. So, uh, do older people have to do all that complaining? Do our conversations always have to be, uh, have to deteriorate into, can you top this contest? And we all do that. I've done it. Somebody talks about their ache, and I said, well, I, you know, I got one worse than that. <laughs> you laugh about that, but you laugh about it because you've done that, you know. We all do it, and, uh, and yet it doesn't please the Lord, I believe. Um, can't, we, can't we just grow old gracefully and accept what God allows to come our way in a graceful, graceful manner and, uh, and learn from it, grow from it, become better Christians as a result of it, and thank God for what we do have that works? You know, all of us have something that doesn't work anymore, probably. But thank God, <laughs> we got up this morning, got out of bed, got dressed, took a shower. <clears throat> At least somebody did. And here we are. We really have a lot that we can thank God for. I got a great family. I got a wonderful wife. You know, got a home, has a roof on it, uh, got two cars, got, uh, got wonderful kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, another one on the way. And uh, there's an awful lot that we can find that we can thank God for and stop complaining about what we don't have or what doesn't work anymore, okay? I remember Dr. Bob Sr. talking about... Um, an elderly black lady sat on her front porch when Dr. Bob said he would walk to school. It was in Alabama. Walk to school in the morning, walk by. I forget what, what her name was. He would, he would use this illustration a lot and call her name. I forget what the name was. But he'd call her out, call her name out and say, How you doing? And she's doing poorly, thank God. I got two teeth, one up and one down, and they hit. Praise the Lord, you know, they both hit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always laughed about that. Well, anyway, 
All the, lo all the losses we mentioned earlier in these lessons, and of course the first lesson was all about our loss, um, and then added to the normal uh, difficulties that people have of all ages and experiences, uh, just provide more than enough ammunition for us to look for something that we can gripe about. The dictionary definition of complaining gives us three aspects, excuse me, of the verb complaining. The first one is this, and these are on the screen. These are not in your notes, but these are on the screen. The first one is this, to express dissatisfaction, pain, uneasiness, uh, censure, uh, resentment, or grief to find fault. Um, the second one is to tell one another's pains, ailments, etc., cetera, uh, to complain about a backache. And then the third one is this, to make a formal accusation, for example, if you think, think you've been swindled, complain to the police. The first two of these are what we're dealing with today, not the third one. Sometimes we need to make a complaint if somebody, if, if somebody breaks into our home or, or we have an accident. We have to file a complaint, that's what we normally call it, with the police. That's legitimate. That is not dishonoring to God. That's just doing uh, what is required of us and what we should be doing. But it's these first two aspects of this uh, definition that we want to deal with today, primarily, okay? The Merriam-Webster uh, thesaurus has the following synonyms to the definition of complaining. And here, here's the synonyms. Fussing, griping, grumbling, um, I said this over and over and over again. Convecting, I think, is the way it's pronounced, which means habitually complaining. Uh, protesting, squawking, whining, uncompromising, unforgiving, unyielding, impatient. They're all synonyms for the, for the word complain or the verb complaining, to complain. And, uh, and we've all been guilty of most of those throughout the our lifetime, especially as we get older. So Roman numeral number one, there are two outlooks on life. Two outlooks on life, atheistic and theistic. We talked a little bit about this, I think it was last Sunday, uh, atheistic and theistic. A believer, a believer who, who is looking for it can just as easily discover the good hand of God at work as he can for uh, complaining and in the end complaining people and thankful people have two different orientations caused by two different attitudes and sometimes our attitude steps over into the area of atheistic attitude we have a wrong view of God and the character of God that's why we complain is because we have a wrong we have a wrong view of the character of God you realize that what, where we are today in life, that it's planned by God, it's all of God. Now we blamed Adam, you know, back when we were talking about our losses and so forth. And, uh, and indeed Adam and Eve were the source of all of this. And, uh, and uh, we laughingly or jokingly blamed them. 
And I guess, the, I guess we could place the blame there, really. But none of that took, uh, took God by surprise. God is omniscient. Uh, he's omnipotent. And he's omnipresent, all of that. But, but, you know, what God allows to come into our life many times is his purpose for us. But sometimes we develop a wrong attitude about it and we start griping against God and against what he's allowed for us to endure in life, to come across in life. And so I think we have to be very careful of what we do here. So these attitudes in turn come from two distinct views of life, belief systems about the providence of God. The one attitude is virtually atheistic. A believer can at times think and act like an atheist. We hate to admit that, but there's truth in it. Uh, the other attitude is fundamentally theistic. However, the person with the theistic view thinks of all that happens in God's universe as part of his providential working in order to bring about good in line with his, with his, with his promise that he gives us in Romans 8.28. What is Romans 8.28? Yeah. Yeah. We've memorized that verse. We quote it a lot. But you know what? It's become so rote with us it doesn't sink in. Really. And, and so we, we allow this atheistic attitude to develop in our minds when God has given us his purpose in life right here that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are the called according to his what? Purpose. purpose. Right? That's right? The other person with the atheistic view uh, views, uh, forgets God in his daily life and carries on as the things just happen by chance. I hate this phrase, nature did it. What is nature? Yeah, it's God. And uh, we need to get away from blaming it on nature because we're blaming it on God when we blame it on nature. But that's the world's view, see? That's the, that's the atheistic view. We need to take more of a theistic view and put God in the center of everything what he does, he does it for his purpose and for our good. Even your backache. Jennifer Cope, you've had a terrible time with your back. Yeah. You know, God did that to you. And I hope you thank him for it. I'm not... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to point you out, but, but I know you've had a real, real serious problem with your back. And uh, we just have to look to God and say, God, I, I'm not sure. I may not, I don't know now why. And I may not know till I get to heaven. But thank God I'm alive and I can still do some things. And I'm going to do them to your glory. All right. Uh, it doesn't occur to him that God may have a purpose in that apparent tragic event. And so consequently, his reaction is to complain. In fact, he will complain even 
uh, even if it isn't a tragic event, but only something is just uncomfortable or inconvenient for him. We complain about the inconveniences, don't we? Yeah. But if this, but if this God is truly, if this truly is God's word, if God truly is control of all things and is guiding the course of world history as well as our personal histories, the history of each of us older individuals, when we complain about our circumstances, that means we are complaining about God's plan and God's providence. Well, I will tell you, when, 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 I, when I read that uh, and then put it in the lesson, that just pricked my heart, really. And it's serious business. It really is. Let me give you an example. We read this example just a few moments ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The people of God complained in the desert. And we read, but with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Their bodies were scattered out throughout the desert. Their grumbling led to the death of 23,000 people in one single day. God did not treat lightly the complaining or the murmuring of his people. And when they complained about the manna, God's response to that was to send more quail, uh, send more quail than they could handle. They had a running out of their ears, so to speak. You know? I'm not sure why God did that, but he did. I guess just to show how gracious he really is. And... Um, when they complained that Moses was taking too long up on the mountain. And they turned to worshiping a golden god. A god, uh, god was extremely displeased and he sent fiery serpents among them. Killed several of them because of their complaining. Now why did God respond so strongly to their complaining? It's because in the end of all, of the compl all complaints and gripes are against him. God, has, uh, god had these events and, uh, and his response to them recorded here in the book of Corinthians uh, and given to the Corinthian believers uh, and, and to us as well for that matter who would live so much further down the line than those Old Testament saints. God had it recorded for us today. He recorded it for posterity. He recorded that we would be reminded that God never changes. If God was displeased with with his children in the wilderness for griping, is he still dis, is, 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 is that still his response today for griping? Of course it is. Of course it is. And that's the reason why he had that put in uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, to teach us a lesson here. All right. Why did God respond so strongly to their complaining? I think I just read that, didn't I? Well, that brings us to Roman numeral number two. There are two attitudes of life. Two attitudes of life. Grumpy and graceful. And I hope that our attitude, and if it's not at this point, I hope that we can learn how to develop a very graceful attitude. And as we're going to see here, as the, as the lesson progresses, if I get to it, we're going to see that these changes don't take place overnight. If you're trying to change from one attitude that you've had 
And if God's dealt with you about it and you're trying to change to another attitude, you're trying to replace that bad attitude with a good attitude, it's going to take a little while. Be patient with yourself. It's going to take a while. So anyway, it can get very ir irritating to be around some people who, uh, who has a grumpy spirit and spends more time griping about things than being thankful. And uh, this is not in your notes either, but it's going to be on the screen here. There are two psychologists that I quote. One's by the name of Susan uh, Albers, and uh, she, she says this. She says, complaints can be like a virus. It's simply, it, it's important to stay out of, stay, stay away from complainers. That's a good statement. And then her, her colleague, Scott B., made this statement. He said, I've heard that the rate of complaints in American conversations ranges from 70 to 84 percent. And yet none of us likes to hang around, hang out with a complainer. I don't know about you, but, you know, and, and I think of myself because I, I complain. I don't like to be around people that complain all the time. Do you? I, I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm more comfortable in the presence of people who are, who are talking about what God's done and, and the goodness of God and, and things of their life that are very positive instead of talking about their aches and pains. I think I mentioned to you a few weeks ago about the lady we had in our church when I pastored in Hopewell. I learned not to say to her, how are you doing? Her name was Jerry June. How are you doing, Jerry June? It would always take her at least 30 minutes to tell me how she was doing. And that's, what not, that's not what I meant. I meant, to say, I meant to say, greetings, Jerry June, and walk on. <laughs> she didn't take it that way. All right. I told you that. You, I doubled down on that. So how can we change to become a thankful, grateful, praising person instead of a grump? Well, um, that's not impossible because God tells us that grumpy people should change. They should learn. They should learn from the experiences that they've had, from the experience that the children of Israel had in the wilderness and how God responded to their griping. God never requires anything of his children that he doesn't give us both the direction and the power to accomplish. So be thankful for that. So letter A, complaining is a, say it, sin. It wasn't up there, but you knew what it was. It wasn't in, on your nose, but complaining is a sin, okay? First of all, we must be convinced that there's something wrong with complaining. And look again at 1 Corinthians 10, where we find uh, stating, uh, find a, a starting point that puts us well in the way of, of being convinced that complaining is a sin. How do we know that? Because God commends us not to grumble and, uh, and, um, and be disobedient to God. I missed a word there. We're not to be disobedient, and disobedience to God is a sin, is sin. God makes it clear that all complaints are really complaints about him and his providence. To complain to God or about God, how he's running his creation, surely is a sin. Moreover, complaining leads to idolatry. We saw that there in that chapter. When we reject God's way, 
we always turn to some other way. You say, Pastor, I've never done what those people did in the wilderness. Well, maybe you haven't. But what have you done? What have I done? You know. Um, the Israelites grumbled, and the next thing we know, they were worshiping God that they made up all by themselves. And in connection with idolatry, they became involved in, in uh, lewd, immoral behavior that was abominable to God and, becoming to, and, and, and unbecoming to God's children. Complaining then isn't all that innocent after all. It keeps bad company, and God makes that clear. And here's another statement that I added that's not in your notes. Evangelist Will Rice III, who was the um, grandson, I believe, of Dr. Bill Rice at the Bill Rice Ranch. Um, Bill Rice III was the president, and then he retired, and Will Rice, I think it's his son, uh, became the president of uh, Bill Rice Ranch in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He said this in a devotion that he gave there at the ranch, a devotion entitled The Sin of Complaining. Quote, The sin of complaining is a sin that God deals with swiftly and severely. The example recorded for us in Numbers chapter 11, and that's what's recorded for us also in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, the example recorded for us in Numbers chapter 11 reminds us of the awful, wicked sin of complaining in our own lives. Don't minimize what God has provided for you, and do not allow discontentment to fester and agitate um, a complaining spirit. That's a good statement. I'm glad I run across that. So the first thing we must do in helping ourselves to get rid of this bad habit of complaining, which probably started way back when we were young. If you're a complainer now, you were a complainer when you were younger, probably. And uh, uh, is to uh, assure ourselves that complaining is a sin and it must be replaced with an entirely different lifestyle. And this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is pivotal for doing that. So that brings us to letter B. Complaining is serious. It's serious. The next time you complain, tell yourself, number one, sin, it's a sin. And then secondly, tell yourself, it's serious. And so I need to do something about it. We have to understand that God takes complaining as a critical matter. Please note that God destroyed the entire generation of his people for that particular sin and what it led to. We can't be sure that God will take, care, will take our life before our time now, but he, did, but he did so in the past, and there certainly is no reason why he couldn't do it today. I don't know that he would do that, but I think I know uh, at least two individuals in my life that God took out of here early, and I won't get into that, but uh, because of sin in their life. One of them was a preacher. And the other one was aspiring to be a preacher. Um, but the greatest, uh, but the greatest import, importance, if we're grateful for our salvation, we ought, to, we ought to want to please God. And obviously complaining about what he is doing doesn't glorify him. Glorifying God, not the threat, not the threat, uh, glorifying God, not the threat of death, is a much better motive from which we should act. And that should always be our motive 
to be with the, uh, to be w what God wants us to be. And so assuming that a griper confesses his sin of complaining, what happens next? Well, we may protest, you know, well, it's a, it's a long time habit. And uh, though I now want to shake it, I find it difficult to do that. And long time habits are difficult to do that. Some of you are sitting in this class that you used to smoke. And you know what a struggle it was for you to quit that. The habit sets in, you know. Now, some of you had some other habits that you had to get rid of, of when you got saved. I've known some people to get saved and those habits are gone like that. But I've had others to get saved and they've had habits that they've struggled with for years before, before God actually gave them victory over that, over that habit. Is one more spiritual than the No, no. It's just that they have a greater struggle at it, you know. And, and there may be some of you here, you've been saved for a while and you still have a habit that you're working on. Well, thank God you're working on it. Keep working on it. It may take a while, um, but, uh, but I hope you're praying that God will give you the victory before you die, you know. Amen? Amen. All right, good, good. So, number one, we replace the bad habit with a good habit. When a complainer is talking like that, that's half the battle. It's already, half the battle's already won. The change is not always easy, but it can happen. First, it's not merely a matter of shaking off an old habit. That, of course, must happen. But you may never, never merely break a habit. You have to replace it. Don't just stop a habit. Replace it with a good habit. There are some good habits. And so uh, get a good habit and replace the bad habit with it, okay? You may never break the, 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 the you never, may never merely break a habit, but you must replace it. And you replace it with a biblical alternative instead of a sour, unpleasant life of griping and complaining. You'll want to develop a joyful, pleasant life of praising and thanksgiving. If you have a bad habit of, 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 uh, of complaining, the next time you complain, stop and say, God, or even to who you're, whom you're speaking, says, you know, I just complained and I want to stop doing that. And uh, so let me tell you something, God's doing good in my life. You know, there's no better way to, re to, to get rid of a bad habit than to replace it with a good habit. Uh, search out the good things. Sometimes... It may take months or even years to get some, uh, get some perspective on, on, on it and, and see how it worked for your good, that, that thing that God brought into your life. He works all things together for good, and it may take a while to really see how God is working in your life. And, and God may bring some tragedy to your life. Instead of complaining about it and blaming God for what he's done, say, Lord... I know you're trying to teach me something. Would you open the eyes of my understanding that I may understand this? And God may and he may not. He just may allow you to, to wonder why for a while. And in his time, his good time, it'll all come to light. It'll all come together. You know, that may be an eternity. That's where our faith comes in. That's where trusting God comes in when we realize that regardless of what God brings our way, there's some good there because God promised me that in the book of Romans. 
And I may not really see it all until I get to heaven. I may not have the right perspective of it until I get to heaven, but I know someday I'll be perfect. And I'll think perfectly. And I'll understand someday. It's okay, Lord. I'll live with it. If you want me to live with this, I'll live with it. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Number two. How do you replace the bad habit with a good habit? I'm going to have to do this quickly. As you see, I've got two minutes left. First of all, number, letter A, recognize the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. Say it with me. God is sovereign. Recognize the sovereignty of God. Um, and then number, letter B, recognize that our sovereign God has a purpose in your life. Our sovereign God has a purpose in your life. God is up to something in that event, whatever it may be, that didn't just happen, it happened for some purpose or purposes. And then letter C, recognize that our sovereign God has a good, pur has a good purpose, not just a purpose, but a good purpose in your life. And his purpose will prove true. And then um, number, number three, Number two is how to, how to replace a bad habit with a good habit. Number three, we must be patient. And I was referring to this earlier. We must be patient when we replace a bad habit with a good habit. We have to conscientiously work on doing it. Conscientiously work on doing it. We need to realize that our new lifestyle will not come together overnight going to take a while. Be patient with it. Let God do his work in your life. But be patient. You be persistent and be patient and God will bring it all together. You know, you might fail. You might fail. You might fall flat on your face in trying. Don't get discouraged. Everybody does that. Everybody does that. We might try hard, you know. Let, let me let me put let me use this illustration. Maybe in your past, you've used profanity in your conversations. And every once in a while, a word will slip out. You know why? Because they're, they're still up here. You know, this is a computer. And all those words are in your hard drive. You know, they're in your hard drive. And the sooner or later, you ever been on the computer and something just pop up? Where did that come from? Yeah. Well... If you've had the habit in the past of, of using profanity, every once in a while, something may slip out. And it'll be embarrassing because you'll, you'll be around the preacher. <laughs> I had that happen, not, not to me, but I had a classmate in, in college. In fact, I had an evangelist that did that. And he told me about it. And I used to use his illustration. And Jan said, you need to stop using that. But anyway, he was preaching, this evangelist was preaching on soul winning in a church, and he was, he's telling me about it. He said, I was preaching on soul winning, and he said, <clears throat> and he said, these people just, I couldn't get them moved uh, to, to, he says, and some of you people don't give a blank about lost souls. I said, what'd you do? He said, I just kept preaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, that'll happen. It will, it may happen. And you'll be embarrassed about it, and you'll fall flat on your face, you know, and you'll be so embarrassed. Well, just get up. 
dust yourself off, apologize for it. Yes, I'm sorry. I, that's just something in the past that came out, you know. And keep going. Do you realize that God knew that that was going to happen? Look at this verse. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says this. For a just man falleth seven times. It doesn't stop there. And riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. We're not perfect. And we're not going to be perfect until the rapture takes place or, uh, or we die and go to heaven. And you may, you may slip up. You may do something that you regret doing. Be man or woman enough to apologize for it. Say, I'm sorry. Ask for forgiveness and move on. Move on. Don't get discouraged. Um, oh, I got to quit. I, I was going to use another illustration, but I need to quit. Let me give you this last point here so you'll have it in your notes. It is a life-changing experience when you replace the bad habit with a good habit. It's a life-changing experience. When you learn how to do that, it'll change your life. Yes? I just wanted to say, um, when I was taking care of my granddad, it seemed like I was having the worst struggles physically to be able to take care of him. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, on a daily basis, I would say, I need your strength. I don't understand why you would afflict me. And knowing I have this responsibility, and God really convinced me that the reason he allowed me to go through the struggles is that I would have no empathy and know exactly how to better be a caregiver because I can feel this pain. And I thank God for that. But I, I did struggle a lot with that. And it wasn't easy. But God gave me that grace. Amen. And so good to remind me that you were a better caregiver because of that. Praise the Lord. Great. Amen. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the example you gave to us, Lord, there uh, to the Corinthian church. It's not only an example to them, but to us today as well, God, for us as well, that you don't like murmuring. And uh, you, you love the murmurer, God, but you don't like what he does. And, and so, God, I pray that you will teach us not to be murmurers, not to be complainers, but just to give you the glory and give you the grace and to trust in you, God, for every circumstance and everything in our life, everything that comes our way, Father. Help us to see the bright side of it. And, uh, and, and, and not to look at the deep valley, but to look at the sunshine rising over the mountaintop. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.